Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Thanks for listening to Danny and Dusty On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Is your heater safe? Why replace it when Service Patriots can restore it? Get their $59 27-point furnished tune-up and safety check, including a free 1-inch filter. They'll also check your AC for free. Go to servicepatriots.com. Danny Meringue. Dusty Bun? Dusty Hera. I've been really busy I'm trying to save the world from Russians and monsters. This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader. <laughs> of course you have. 1080. I want to hear it. The Fan. Hour number three on a Monday on Danny and Dusty. Look at that wonderful, wonderful song. It's not the same without Jeff Rust here, but we do have Will Ortner in for him. Well, he's he's not banged up. Is that a special song or something? I'm not going to do this with you right now. <laughs> I don't have the time for you. Actually, you have an hour for me. No, I don't have the time for that. <laughs> for what? Just go watch Never Ending Story. <sighs> what right? is that? Is it a movie, TV show? Like, what am I getting into? You're getting into my head right now, and I don't <laughs> like it. Dude, I just got a new 70-inch TV, so, like, I want to watch things on my 70-inch TV, not to brag. Uh, what is this never-ending story? Just get banged up and watch the never-ending story, and you'll thank me later. What if I don't remember? Do you, you know, like, you like do flying you know talking dogs? Yeah. Not particularly. Do you know what a Treyu is? Yeah. And mm-hmm. not the band? No. <clears throat> I don't on think either? anybody knows what the Treyu the band is either. Wow. I, I don't know what I don't know what that is either. Are you speaking English? Yeah. Will, I'm not gonna <sighs> let this happen right no, now. We're not we don't just have, go watch a yeah. never ending story, please. Thank you. Goodbye. Good lord. Um San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> they they said goodbye to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I thought I thought Seahawks put up a good fight with did, uh, did, Drew Locke. Did they put up a good fight? Or, yeah. Or did the Seahawks play with their food too long? Because Or the I, Niners, you mean? I'm sorry, the Niners, yes. I Looking at the box score, I didn't realize the numbers that came out of this. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy threw for 368 yards, yeah, which is a lot. He's an animal. And I knew McCaffrey had a good game, but he was nine yards a carry good game, which just happens when you break off a 72-yarder, and then you continue to run all over them on top of that. Yeah, on like he, the second play of the game. But he has a buck 45. Mm-hmm. Okay, Debo has a buck 49. Uh-huh. Brandon Ayuk has a buck twenty six. Yep. When was the last time three position players on the same team had over a hundred and twenty five yards each? Well, that's a really good question. Probably like the 49ers two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it seems like it's so no, rare that no, you see three right. guys hit like that in the same game. Well, in in to take into account like George Kittle does not get enough credit for how game-changing he was. And he broke a 44-yarder where he just dump-trucked everybody on the way to the end This is the problem with defending the 49ers, is it is truly pick your poison. And that's why the criticisms of of Brock Purdy being a game manager, they're totally unfair to him because he gets the ball into his playmaker's hands and just says, I'm going to let it go. Go on now. That's a lot easier said than done. 
and he's not just managing the game. He is making plays, and with his eyes, he is opening up some of the most dangerous weapons in football. And, like, that is one of the things that I, I do not believe he gets enough credit for, or great quarterbacks that have a wealth of talent get enough credit for, is that what Brock Purdy will do is if you are trying to take away Debo Samuel, for instance, he will have his eyes go from McCaffrey to Kittle, and then defenses adjust, and then boom, help over the top when you're trying to cap their defense. You, that safety moves with the eyes of Brock Purdy, and even though it looks like Purdy's going – read one, two, three. No, no, make no mistake. He's trying to get the ball to Debo Samuel. He's just trying to alleviate that help over the top for him or McCaffrey or Kittle or Ayuk at any given time. And he is masterful at it. Like he knows conceptually what Kyle Shanahan wants to achieve in, in the play and his mastery of what Shanahan's trying to do. He knows that even if the defense dials up something correct and, and takes away Debo Samuel, how or McCaffrey or Kittle, he knows how to get to that guy through a progression, and he's doing a phenomenal job at it. Like Brock Purdy is awesome. I still believe Debo Samuel is the most valuable player mm -hmm. on that team, but in that conversation for MVP, that is just basically the best quarterback. What about Trent Williams? You're never going to see a lineman get it, but... I uh, yeah, you mean, he can is. You, it he's feels like the you, most important player on that team. I was just he saying, is. it feels like you can make that argument, right? I can, but I will make that about 90% of the linemen. I know, but that's the dumbest thing ever is that we sit there and just give the award to the best quarterback mm -hmm. in the league. It's like the Heisman Trophy, right? Jane Daniels won it. Jane Daniels uh, deservingly won the Heisman. He put up funny numbers all season long. Sure. Pay no attention to that, the fact that, I don't know, LSU at the end of the year was just like, let's try to get as many big numbers for Jane Daniels because we're not playing for anything mm -hmm. as we possibly can. And they did. And they did it very effectively. And it worked. And that the media narrative was, hey, Jane Daniels had 50 touchdowns this year. Bonix had 46. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <know>? Oh, shucks. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man, that's such a, a drastic number. But back to Purdy. Purdy is getting all of the attention and all the flowers because he's very efficient and does a really good job of getting the ball to those playmakers who are other world. Yes. Like a defensive coordinator does not sleep the, the week you play the 49ers. No, because it's hellacious. But I mentioned earlier that, that Russell Wilson only completed seven passes beyond the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. this week. Uh, Purdy only threw four balls at or behind the line of scrimmage this week. He's pushing the ball down the field. Yeah. Well, yes. But, again, he's got guys that are college open. But, but again. Yeah. This isn't check down Charlie, get it to my weapons and let them figure it out. No. He's actually he's making plays. He absolutely is. And that's why he, people that call him a game manager are dumb. He's not Jimmy G. No, no, no. He's far more accurate than Jimmy G is, too. I mean, this offense is nasty. And, you know, you mentioned, did the Niners play with their food a little bit too long? I, early in the game, like, Seattle was making some plays, but you had Drew Locke at quarterback, and it was only going to last for so long. And I thought Drew Locke for, look, you're a backup to Geno Smith. Expectations should probably be pretty low for you. Yeah. He played He played well. He played well enough sure. in that game. I would agree. But San Francisco is just like steady as she goes. I was I was really impressed. I you mean, also had two turnovers. You had the, the, the party nice. interception and you had the fumble. Yeah, the and Brandon Ayuk is responsible for both of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, because he got fingertips on that ball that that went into the hands of Love, and that was a great play by Love to intercept that ball. But you know, it was, and then he got the ball just punched out. That that's a play that Ayuk 
probably should have made. But as it was, it was a great interception. And that goes against Brock Purdy. But they, they are a monster. Like, they are... The thing about San Francisco is that we talk about their offense, offense, offense. Buddy, that defense is still working through some things right now. And they're insanely good. And they will be that much better if they can just stay healthy. When you have, you know, Fred Warner, who got suplexed by Debo Samuel. You've got (laughs) Nick Bosa. You have... It's such an insane thing that a wide receiver picks up a linebacker like that. Uh, He's a very large human being. But just think, they're still going to work through Chase Young. Like, Chase Young... Yeah. You think of what they have still left in the tank and what they can show later. Like, you have got Chase Young sitting there. You've got Dre Greenlaw. You've got Randy Gregory. You, ugh. But, yes, you're right. Armstead, like, they, when they start clicking, that defense is just as hellacious to game plan for as their offense is. They, the most important thing, though, is they have to stay healthy down this final stretch. Which they've already lost to Funga on the back end. Yeah, and... Talanoa Hufanga, you saw them. That's going to be a big one. Yeah. They have got to, like, Talanoa Hufanga. He's is, a playmaker. He, but he is a, he's an in the box safety as well. Like, he can play downhill and be in run support. And he's really good when they try to dial up pressures from him. Like, he can play 53 and a third across the field, mm-hmm. but where he's going to be at vertically is a bigger headache for an offensive coordinator. That's a big injury. And the way that it happened where he just got shook by, was it Rashad White, who did the Tampa mm-hmm. Tampa yes, games? Yes, literally went, shook him you just out of his knee. knee went, like, that is gnarly, and I hope he comes back well. But that shows you how deep this team is. Like, they yeah. are so deep, and John Lynch has done an incredible job of building the roster, but then also manipulating the cap in ways that they can still find ways to pay these guys and bring these guys in, whether it's a trade for a guy like Chase Young where you're you're betting on a rental, and right now the rentals are going to start paying off because mm-hmm. he came up with a big play at the end of the game. Whew, this is a good team, man. No, I mean, they're, they're, I would say they're, they're the easy favorites right now. They're and, the best and, team in the NFL. And Brock Purdy is currently second in the NFL in MVP odds behind Dak Prescott. Yep. That's right. How much do you think the NFL and those around it want to see Dak Prescott win that award? I don't think as many as they're they're just badass crazy fans do. I mean, Dak that, Prescott that, is not the given. most valuable valuable player in the league. No, he's not. No, no, and I don't think he will win it. But he's playing really good football, mm-hmm. and I think that like. The Cowboys are so polarized because they're America's team, right? They've got the most insufferable fans in the NFL at any given time of any given year. (laughs) But that drives so many people away that Dak Prescott, he he did a really good job, and he has done a really good job of helping all of these other guys along. Because like we were talking about Ferguson earlier, they're they're tied in. Mm -hmm. But he is distributing the ball to a wealth of guys. He's not just locking on CD anymore. He's not just going to lock on Brandon Cooks. And that was always the problem with him, is that he tried to force it where it had no business going. He he has gotten better, Dak Prescott has. It's just that, like, whether it's Purdy, whether it's Debo, somebody else. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's going to make a surge in this final month of the season. That, that shine will come away from Dak Prescott. Oh, well, speaking of shines, the shine was on the NBA this weekend as the in-season tournament final, the first of its kind, was underway. What did we learn from the in-season tournament? And what did we learn about the Lakers and LeBron James? That and more coming up here on Danny and Dusty, tonight. the fan. Take a stand, it don't have to hide. Unlike various rec basketball leagues around the country, nobody got thrown out of the in-season tournament final featuring the Lakers and Pacers. A bit of a dud as Miles Turner did get tossed out, fouling out, because he had no answer for Anthony Davis. No, Anthony Davis is really good. So that just kind of tells you that this game didn't really have that much importance to it. Wow. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, no, my favorite part out of the out of the in-season tournament, which it was it, it gave us like the mission was accomplished in like the whole thing about the in-season tournament is make these games in November, early December matter. They absolutely did. Maybe people care. Uh, Anthony Davis after the game, like you saw his interview where he's like, like I, we know this is not like the real thing, but it's still pretty cool. He was you know? also shouting, I'm him. Like he was chuckling at at the fact that, yeah, it's the in-season tournament. And the Lakers uh, did not want to raise a banner in Crypto Arena. No, and the, the NBA is now forcing them to raise a banner. Yeah, according to Chris Haynes, uh, the in-season tournament banner that will be forced upon the Lakers will be a different shape and color than existing NBA championship banners to make it distinct. Um, Adam Silver said, I don't care what you want. Also, the Lakers have said, you can't make us put more than one up. So what they're going to do is put the year. Tags it will on just it. be a one banner, and it'll have like if they win it again, it'll just go right below twenty twenty three, and that seems right. Yeah, that's the right level of. Uh... Well, I mean, not having a banner for this, but I mean, if you're gonna force someone on them, just make them do. I, one. I think this is the right way to do it because let's say twenty five years down the road, this this tournament has a little bit more juice and it has a little more meaning behind it. Whether they change things up or not i think you just kind of have to establish it early on what will ha- what will happen that'll make this m- more relevant championship uh i think there's going to be a, a point when the season does get broken up into a, a 58 game quasi regular schedule and then the remaining games become a a version of tournament play and you think that'll help i do That'll help make this tournament i like, think be more because like the the, the thing- same way, the same way cups matter in soccer yeah, but and, everybody, and to be clear that anybody that doesn't know that they do matter. But it's not, when you win like the I don't know the, FA what's Cup, the Emirates Cup, FA Emirates Cup, Cup yeah. FA Cup. The, uh, when you the win Carabao that, Cup. when you win that though, that is completely different because it's every level of football across the entire mm-hmm. sport in, in England for the FA Cup, for example. And that still doesn't mean as much as like winning the Premier League. No, but it, but in that and that's the thing is that it's like it's it's never going to be that, but it's going to have more. I think in the twenty years from now, it will have more meaning. But I don't know. You're going to have to have some tangible, like if you win this success in in the real tournament. I think that's when it'll start meaning yes. more, right? Like yes. if the Lakers or the Pacers end up having, and this is like kind of the thing is that both the Pacers and the Lakers are looked at as 
teams that are are really good right now, right? But we considering that either one of these a front runner to win the NBA title? No, no. I, I think a lot of people do look at the Lakers no. as a dark horse title contender, but because they're also, the Lakers and they got LeBron James. Oh, no, I mean, sakes. you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. I mean, they, they have won a title bubble or not? Like, yeah. they did make it to the Western Conference Finals last year. Like this, they're still good. Yeah. Um, but I think more importantly, and this is the this is the drum that I've been banging throughout all of this. Who do we now know more about? Tyrese Halliburton. It has become yeah, a platform good. to uplift small market stars. Tyrese Halliburton didn't just take over this tournament. He arrived with this tournament because all of a sudden national eyes were on him. And I said this last week, Dusty, this guy is a top 10, if not top five player in the world right now. Yep. And he was not, the in-season tournament game was the second time he'd been on national TV. Yeah. That's insane. So the NBA is, is, is through, through this, in their own roundabout way, unbleeping themselves from their own stupidity of not marketing teams as opposed to marketing markets. Because the NFL, they market everyone. Yeah, all this has done is it's opened up the ability for everybody to sit there and be like, Tyrese Halliburton, two more years till he's a Laker, two more years till he's a Nick. Yeah, but why does that come about? Because of the way the NBA is marketed, exactly. New York, exactly. Los Angeles, exactly. endlessly. Hell, Nick Friedle, who used to be at ESPN, tweeted out before the before the the playoffs uh, finished and they headed to Vegas. Uh, the 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 league wanted to see a Lakers Knicks final because that's what mattered. No, it didn't. Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have watched outside of those two franchises. Nobody cares about those teams. You know what? Like in in all honesty, here is like. I, I do think that it was a success to get guys to care more about the, mm-hmm. the early regular season. But one of the, like, honestly, one of the worst things that could happen is if what we've seen with, like, uh, the Blazers when they come out of the gate red hot and then they just fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. If that were to happen to either one of these teams, then you sit there and you're like, oh, boy. You know, like, all right, they were really good at the very beginning of the year, but if you start getting the they don't really pan out, and it's like, well, what are we crowning anybody for then at the beginning of the season if they, sure. these teams do stumble? But right? I, and it's not a measuring stick or anything else. It's just I think it is interesting because early. you take a look at the, the Pacers. Who did they beat along the way? They beat the Bucks. Uh-huh. And they, they beat, beat the Celtics. The Celtics, yeah. The probably two best teams in the East? Yeah. So it, can, it, it is a, a, a bit of a marker because it shows where they are, even if they are a young team, they're still lagging behind defensively, which everybody knows. They're the best offense in the league. Yeah, and, and I think that the, this is the one part that it hurts because I look at it and I go, well, these are single elimination tournament. And we all know that we've seen teams win the game one of a series and then just get absolutely housed I mean, like the, the rest of them. Lasers in the bubble against the Lakers? Uh, yeah, that'd be the one. Huh. Yeah, like sev- the series is where – you know, adjustments are made, mm-hmm. and we, we really learn what's what. But for the young teams, to your point, it is good to see that, like, no, it's a stage where they care, it matters, and it's a one-off. Like, give me your best shot in the one-off. And I do love the fact that it is a one-and-done because it does allow for that volatility. Sure. So, NCAA tournament, I think you could call it a success. It was. Uh, people cared a little bit more. Ratings were up. Interest was there. Uh, and then we'll kind of see where this goes as, as it matures and the league adds two more teams and you have two 16-team brackets and they can yep. do some more stuff with it, with it, which is coming soon. We didn't talk about it, but I, a quick little note. 
Um, LeBron James was very blatant a week ago uh, heading to Vegas uh, about his desire to want to own a franchise in Las Vegas. <laughs> I know, right? He was very blunt about that. And for those wondering, Fenway Sports Group, behind the scenes, has, has long been the favorite to land the team in Vegas. By the way, LeBron James has a lifetime deal with Fenway Sports Group. Oh, no way. So if you want to draw those lines for you, those are out there. All right, coming up next, uh, the Heisman Trophy was uh, handed over to Jaden Daniels. We'll dive into that, as well as a massive quarterback commit to the University of Oregon. But first, be the fan. The Heisman Trophy was announced Saturday night, and it wasn't exactly a surprise as the straw polls all indicated that LSU's Jaden Daniels was going to win it. Yeah, and I don't think there's like any, uh, there shouldn't be any like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I know that. Uh, you know, Husky fans are like, well, winning doesn't matter. Well, I mean, we always complain, oh, so we're just giving it to the best player on the best team then, huh? I think the last, last two games of the regular season, uh, those are what hurt Michael Penix Jr. You know, throwing for, you know, 160 against Oregon State and then 200 against uh, Washington State. Those are those are the games that Jane Daniels or Bonix they didn't have. Those didn't exist for them. And... I think that that is unfair because I don't know how many people could have thrown for over 200 yards in the weather that that game in Corvallis was. Mm. Driving rain, wind, it was just awful. Yeah. But that's that's the reality. Them's the breaks, right? And that, like, the crazy part is that, like, win a national championship and nobody cares. Like, it, for Washington, do right? You, I know. But or win a playoff game and nobody cares. Do you cares. think that maybe it amplifies it? See, he's so great. His his team won a playoff game based on his yeah, play. Then you guys can always, you know, tout that just like the shared national title in '91. You know, like, Ooh, where's that coming from? Well, no, it's ridiculous. Like, it, the Washington fans, and I thought it was really cool. Michael Penix having the names of all of his teammates, all and his coaches teammates in his jacket, in yeah. his jacket. But they're like, nobody's ever done this. Literally, a player in the NHL draft did it in June. Yeah, <laughs> like, and there's an there's, a, there's nobody's ever done anything like this before. Except for six months ago, yeah, there's when an, somebody there's did an NBA it. player years ago that did that too. <laughs> well, CJ Stroud did it last yeah. year. You know, like <laughs> he's like, no, this has never been done. I thought it was a really cool gesture. It, it was. was awesome. Good looking suit too. It, uh, yeah, purple suit. Yeah. It was. It was good look, man. <laughs> it was really cool. And I thought what you had this year was three guys that were deserving in completely separate ways, right? Daniels put up funny numbers. LSU was trying to get him to put up funny numbers at the end of the year. Over the and final were, five weeks of the year, they were they knew what was going. on. They were very successful at doing it. And it was like a it was like Marcus Smart getting Defensive Player of the Year last year in the NBA. The organization made a full like a full 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 press yeah. on getting that award. For well, them. and just like we thought, if you looked at the voter breakdown, the West was split a little bit more than than what the South was, which was all Jaden Daniels, right? And, you know, that's because Penix and Bo, like, if, if if Oregon wins the Pac-12 championship game, this is the this is the part I hate about the Heisman Trophy is that if Oregon wins one game at the very end of the year, then what does the voting look like, right? Yeah, because, and, and because LSU wasn't in a championship game. Yeah, and it's just like that's the, that's the stupidity of all of it. You had three really damn good quarterbacks, and Jane Daniels, it was really cool to kind of see his story come full circle and end as a five-star five quarterback at Arizona State and 
really all of the ups and downs that that went through, including like I, I loved out there, like his parents are so involved. Yeah, that was one of Herm Edwards' biggest gripes was how involved his mom was showing up at the facility, <laughs> the practice facility, like a <laughs> little much, right? But it was really cool to see, you know, his, his, the big payoff in, in his speech saying, you know, I know my dad, want, you wanted me to be a corner. Well, I think being a quarterback paid off. Mm. Yeah, it did. It was, it was, it's really cool to see, you know, all of those stories of all those kids and, like, you know, the, all of the pictures of them as little kids in their football uniforms. And then, you know, now here they are on the stage of the Heisman ceremonies in New York. It was, it was, it, I always love watching that. I'm going to drag this down right now. Yeah. Is Jaden Daniels going to be a guy that you remember as a Heisman Trophy winner? Uh, probably not, no. Yeah. I think a lot of Oregon fans will because they're going to feel like it got stolen from Knicks. I don't know if it got stolen because it doesn't. Right. It doesn't feel like that. I know what you're saying. You're right. Stolen's a bit egregious. Well, but I think it f- was Bo's to lose, and yeah. Bo lost sure, it. That, and Bo yeah. lost that's it. the yeah. that's the better call. Because I mean, I I think if you really do look at the numbers, Bo's efficiency should outweigh what he was doing later. He being Jaden Daniels because yep. they were stat padding. But when Bo lost, I think that gave it automatically to Jaden. Well, and it's the way it happened too, with Bo being shaky at the beginning of that game mm-hmm. and not right. like he had the the completion percentage the end of, record, the end of, the end of but he wasn't he wasn't as efficient in yeah. the final game, and that knocked him below Mac Jones. So if he had that record, then you're sitting there, and it's all the what ifs. But yeah. look, it's the Heisman Trophy. Who really gives an S at it, the end it, of the it day? Just, it just feels like Knicks. And I Michael Penix. You know, it's it's a it's just a, a lot weird of spot. Fans. I, <laughs> I feel like it was a. It, this sounds so terrible, and I hate saying it this way. It feels like it was a forgettable Heisman. Uh, I think there are yeah, those happen all the time you because know? it wasn't like nothing earth shattering happened this year, right? No, it wasn't like there Joe wasn't Burrow or Baker Mania or, yeah. or Tebow, you know, madness. Well, like, none of those like n- you weren't nothing grabbed you by the short uh, ones and held you all season. Well, and they, they weren't polarizing guys either. No, they weren't polarizing guys. Nobody was. You know, planting a flag in the middle of somebody else's field. No, and that's like that's the thing. I think really, Knicks and Penix, those two guys especially, deserve a whole hell of a lot of credit. What the like the level of professionalism that they've approached all season long? They always said the right thing. They always mm-hmm. did the right thing. That's not to say Jane Daniels didn't. No, but those two guys with like national championship and college football playoff aspirations mm-hmm. for their teams on their shoulders. Like, Dotted all their eyes, crossed all their teams. They didn't flinch at all and gave nobody any ammo. And that, like, for in a weird sense, that kind of hurt them because they weren't – like, Bo Nix had billboards in New York City and in Dallas, Texas. But it's also, like, because he wasn't this flamboyant or boisterous character – it hurt kind of the the packaging of of him, and you know you hear like Dan Lanning when he's talking about like Bo Nix, the babysitter. What many of you may not know is that Bo Nix is a babysitter, and Bo Nix babysits Dan Lanning's children. So I ask you, who is Bo Nix the babysitter, and what does it say about him that he spends that time with your children? Well, Bo Nix, the babysitter, gives out way too much ice cream. I can tell you that right now. You know, I walked in the house, uh, you know, probably six months ago, and we're getting ready for spring ball, and I'm, I'm done with work, and I walk in expecting to see my wife, and then I see Bo there. Apparently, Sophia's out with some of the coaches' wives, and I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I just got the boys from basketball practice, Titans upstairs, taking a shower, getting ready for bed. But it just speaks to his character. Um, so proud of that young man. And 
It's a weird thing. Like everybody's got good people catching that like out of the side conversation. Like, wait, did he just say he went home and Bonex was at his house? Mm. Right? Like that kind of like it was so both the characters of Penix and Bo were not the ones that were front and center in kind of the attention seeking. I think that may kind of I don't know, hurt their candidacy because the entire South went on like a campaign of why Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman SEC Trophy. just means more. Yeah, 50 touchdowns. Pay no attention to 46 for Bo. <laughs> Love to see it. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was, it, it was a, uh, to see those four guys, because people forget Marvin Harrison Jr. was there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, to see those four guys, like, Everybody that's like, oh, the death of college football, those are four really damn good guys to prop up and say, no, there's something right in college football, too. For sure. Because those four dudes, by all accounts, like you, there's nothing that you can knock any of them on. And you cannot really say that for any of the years in the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Like, there's always been that wild card in there. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an interesting spot to be in, that's for sure. Not to derail it and not to, like, beat a, a dead horse on this do you think that if Oregon had one, do you still think it goes to Bo because of how the SEC will rally behind their quarterback? Yes, because of Bo. Because I already like I felt like it was already rallying behind uh, Jaden yep. Daniels, and I I think uh, Josh Pate from Late Kick brought up a really good point on his show last night, where he thinks there should be like some sort of like test or you know like a minimum amount of film watched because some of the people that were releasing their Heisman votes, it felt really biased towards where they covered the teams that they covered or who the rival was against the team that they well, covered. And that's why I was, uh, I, I've been saying this for a long time. Voting blocks are usually what, what Dictate. ends a Heisman yeah. trophy is that the South will all vote for their guys. No matter what the West tends to get broken up. If you have two guys that are finalists out West, because there's 928 voters for the Heisman. It's too many. 928. So way too many. Most of them do not cover college football very no. well. <laughs> I just, I'll just flat out say it. Like they don't college, they don't cover college football, and if they do, they don't do it very well. Now, speaking of media covering sports, the uh, media covering the uh, Shohei Hotani uh, announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all found out at the same time on Shohei's Instagram. But we also just have some uh, breaking news as it regards to his record-making contract. We'll wrap up today's show with that, Danny and Dusty, today the fan. And Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. The newest Los Angeles Dodger, Shohei Otani, signed a 10-year record $700 million deal. Oh, buddy. There were discussions leading up to that deal that it would be above $600 million, but there was a lot of thought that the UCL tear he suffered and now his second Mm -hmm. Tommy John surgery would possibly keep him under that Six hundred million dollar threshold. He cleared that so much, so he got a seven hundred million dollar threshold. It made people start to wonder: Had he not suffered the Tommy John injuries, would he have gotten a billion dollar deal? Well, and here's I said this at the very beginning of the show, and I, I I've thought about this for a while now. Shenanigans here. Shenanigans. Do you know who did the Tommy John surgery on Shohei Otani? Who's that? The Dodgers team doctor. Oh, so maybe they have an understanding of his medicals. I I would say the doctor who did the surgery may know mm. how his recovery is going to go and what kind of player he'll be coming back. Mm. I feel like that is maybe some information that not everybody else is privileged to. Mm. And so when they feel they're talking to their team doctor like, hey, man, 
Can we pay this guy? And he's like, yeah, yeah go get I, it. I did the work. And we're they, good here. They came over the top with an offer higher than anybody else. Yeah. And yeah. we're now Which, getting reporting on his salary structure. It was always believed to be understood when it, when it, when it first came out that there would be deferred payments, meaning post-career. Well, Ken Rosenthal was the very first to report this right when the announcement came mm-hmm. down that unprecedented deferrals of payments. The majority of his salary is going to be going into deferred payments on a year-to-year basis over the next 10 years. Which will pay out starting in 2034 to 2043. Now, the reason why he's doing that, in like, these numbers are... These are bonkers. Staggering. He's deferring $68 million of his $70 million annually. So... And the reason why you do this is because, again, this is going to be a pay the piper later. But he wants the Dodgers to be with underneath the luxury tax threshold because mm-hmm. that does exist in, in baseball in order for them to pay to compete right now. It's a financially punitive measure. That's all it does. It doesn't limit what else you can do. It's just a financially punitive measure. So now they have all the flexibility in the world to go and pay whoever they want because... Otani's going to be getting paid for the rest of his damn life. Basically, yes. And, and this means they can go out and target a pitcher like Yamamoto, who, who is out there. And I don't know. Maybe they just signed the best Japanese player ever. And the best ja- and the, not only the best Japanese player, the best player ever with the Dodgers. They could go out and get that pitching help that they need. And a lot of players talk about it, but it's really cool to see Otani kind of be about, like, hey, I just want to win. I hate the Dodgers. I don't like them. But Otani is a Period. player through and through. Regardless of the amount of money he's getting, he is structuring this in a, in a manner that he, it just doesn't matter. They have a lot of players that I actually really do like. Freddie Freeman, I, I mean, Clayton Kershaw. Like, I yeah. like, they have a lot of very likable players. Mm-hmm. And now you have Shohei Otani on that roster. Who might be the most lovable. He is, he, he's everything. Like, he's everything mm-hmm. that you want a star to be. He, he truly is. And he looks like he enjoys playing the game. I, I'm, he's going to be a global icon with the Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah. ESPN picking up his first four games of of his Dodger career uh, in an international circuit. Oh, really? Yes. Good for them. So we'll get to see him uh, in Dodger blue relatively soon. I have a feeling the next show is going to be talking about about this Otani deal and a little bit of baseball. Patrick Harris in for Isaac Rock. Indeed. I'm sure he'll find a way to work Soto to the Yankees in there. Uh, Well, yeah, I have a feeling he'll get that too. (laughs) Guardians make any moves because he'll talk about that Mm. as well. All right, up next, you got primetime with Isaac Atsuke. Well, Harris and Souk edition mm. with Jordan Schultz back and healthy. Indeed. Again. We'll see you tomorrow from noon to three. Have a great Monday. We'll see you Tuesday on The Fan. Mm, bye. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.